Hello, friends. My name is Joe Irwin Bettner, and this is the Eyes on Oklahoma podcast. I appreciate you guys for tuning in today. It is a Friday as we record this February 18th, and boy, do I have some thoughts to share. And uh, part of the reason why I'm on here doing this bonus episode of sorts is because there was no newsletter today, uh, Friday, which is usually the case, but it's been a bit of a busy week with uh, me and my wife. We are moving currently, and if you've ever moved before, you know how awful that process is, so I uh, appreciate your uh, understanding in that regard, but also, I thought this week was going to be slow, and uh, that was my fault for even considering that that would be the case. I thought that the college football news cycle, as never-ending as it is, would uh, be a little bit more forgiving this week, which... I don't know why I thought that. I mean, the Super Bowl being over is just kind of like the last mark of, you know, we're, we're, we're done with the 2021-2022 like football season, college and NFL and otherwise. But, you know, I, I thought with that being over, National Signing Day is well, well behind us that this was a good time to maybe, uh, you know, take a little bit of a break. And in that regard as well, I thought it was no better time for us to drop a new feature on the Eyes on Oklahoma podcast feed, which is a weekly OU softball discussion between me and Norman Transcript OU softball beat writer Abby Bitterman, which is available now for you all to listen to. And not too time sensitive, the Houston uh, OU is in Houston this weekend for a tournament, but uh, if you haven't already listened to it uh, yet, you pl- plenty of time to uh, kind of get that information and it not be, you know, aged poorly or anything like that so regardless i thought this was going to be a good week and that has uh, not been quite the case i mean there there's it's not been terrible but it's just been another kind of weird week on social media if you if you follow a bunch of ou accounts uh there there have been takes uh kind of left and right which i'll kind of get into but uh the the biggest news and kind of the reason why i was like all right I'm going to, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to record something was because we got big news from the college football playoff committee on Friday, February 18th, the college football playoff committee announced that the current 14 playoff format will stay in effect through the 2025 season, which is uh, the last year of the, uh, of their, of their contract. And that means that we will not be getting a 12 team playoff or any sort of expanded playoff until the 2026 season at the very earliest. What does that mean for Oklahoma? Well, first I would like to read this statement from Bill Hancock, who is the college football playoff executive director, also an OU daily alum. So shout out Bill Hancock, but put out this statement. The board of managers has accepted a recommendation for the management committee to continue the current 14 playoff for the next four years as called for in the CFP's original 12 year plan. At the same time, the board expects the management committee to continue its discussions of a new format that would go into effect for the 2026, 2027 season. End quote. There's some big things here with the college football playoff, which I think we've kind of seen since this took into effect, you know, starting with the 2014 season was that it's still not a perfect system. I think I'm at the point where I would much rather have some type of BCS playoff hybrid where the subjectivity of college football, of college football in general is minimized because it truthfully is the one sport built on opinion. 
a sport that was built on years of having the Associated Press sports writers determine a national champion. And now it's up to this small group of people that meet up in November and December and they decide who to invite to their invitational. And it has worked out, I think, fairly well only for the reason that finding a champion in a lot of sports is difficult. College basketball, I think you can make a lot of cases that the the best team in the country it struggles to win it all because of the single game elimination format and kind of the chaos of March Madness. But when it comes to college football, the gap is so wide between the teams that can actually win a national title and the teams that think they can. It's so wide at this point that I don't think that the college football playoff is doing anyone really a disservice. And part of that is the playoff created some of that, I think, uh, lack of parity and created so much, I guess, built so much wealth at the top because you have the Alabamas of the world. You've seen Georgia crack the code. And I think Georgia is going to be one of those teams for a long, long time, as long as, you know, Kirby smarts in place and Georgia's playing ball with just trying to keep up with everyone else. But my point being is that I don't love the college football playoff format. And I don't really love it with four teams. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world uh, that that's what it is because I think at the end of the day, you're probably still getting the number one team in the country winning it all. And I thought that was pretty apparent from this past year. You know, Georgia losing to Alabama in the SEC title game doesn't really mean much. They won the big one a month later. They won the game that mattered. And I think for a majority of the season, 90% of the season, We all kind of agreed Georgia is the best team. But from a purely entertainment standpoint, Lord, do I want a 12-team playoff. And I think that a lot of teams will want that 12-team playoff. I mean, I I don't understand the conferences that – how this is not unanimously a good thing for everybody involved because – I mean, if you're at the if you're the Pac-12 or the ACC, and especially now that you're the ACC with Clemson kind of being – you know, kind of torn apart from what Dabo built. And I'm not saying that Dabo can't build it back into a winner, but you look over at Miami and what Mario Cristobal is doing. I mean, there is uh, some, some real reason to believe that, you know, or, or some, some real, some real justification that, yeah, the playoff needs to be expanded because there are going to be conferences that are going to get left out. And it's not just, I mean, it's not going to be the sec and it's probably not going to be the big 10. We, I mean, we've seen it with the big 10, but I mean, it's not going to be the sec. So I don't understand quite the, the world we live in where the PAC 12 or the ACC or really just any conference isn't super on board with getting this thing expanded. And I understand that there is obviously a lot that has gone into this. I mean, it felt if you, if you follow college football, I mean, this, this past summer, 2021, I mean, it felt like it was happening and it felt like we were going to get at least something that was, in the, in the terms of just like it being better on the fans, I thought we were getting like a, a decent compromise because <laughs> there were talks of like quarterfinal games on home fields, which I mean, I'm kind of past caring about bowl games. I'm just the, the way that bowl games have gone. And I say this, I, I still watch a majority of the bowl games, but, and I, I love them, but the sites themselves, I just don't really care for much at this point. 
I would love a college football playoff semifinal game in, in Norman or Tuscaloosa, Clemson, Columbus, you name it. I want that. And we're not going to get that. I understand that. I mean, I don't, I don't think we're ever really going to get that. Just the way that college football is built. But it just doesn't make sense why this uh, has kind of gone the way that it has. Just you, you felt like the support was going to be there for it. But here we are going to live through it. And how it relates to Oklahoma is this. OU is in a position now where they might not be leaving the Big 12 as quickly, I think, as we all kind of assumed, which might have been, you know, jumping the gun. And I'm sure a lot of you had a media member very condescendingly tell you that, you know, this is this isn't going to take four years. This is going to be one or two. I, I mean, there was there was no part of me that didn't think OU was going to be in the SEC in 2022, which is not going to be the case. They're, they're, they're going to play in the Big 12. But this was going to be one of those things where it was kind of a wait and see, you know, let the lawyers, you know, do their thing and figure all this out, get all the buyouts, buyouts out. We had, you know, fake people on Twitter say that, you know, Oklahoma couldn't afford their, their buyout, which could be true. I'm not, I'm not saying it, 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 it is or isn't, but I mean, we, we've spun so many narratives, so many, so many things that uh, have kind of lived on through social media as they tend to do. But how this affects Oklahoma is, is just really comes down to how you feel about Brent Venables and what he can build at Oklahoma. I, I think that part of the concern with Oklahoma, obviously, is how are they going to adjust to being in the SEC, not being the clear-cut number one team, which I think for a lot of OU fans that are reasonable about this, understand that you're not going to walk into the Big 12 and win six conference titles in a row like you did in the Big 12. On the flip side of that, you go to the SEC and you have those years where you're, you know, you know, 12 and 1 at the end of it or, you know, two losses at the end of it, and I think that the narrative will be that okay, this is a this is a really quality college football team. They clearly are deserving to be in a twelve team playoff. Um, and you know, if it if it if it comes down to Brent Venables finding that success early within the four team playoff format, Oklahoma can be there. And really, who I, you know, who's to say whether Brent Venables or not is going to be you know turn out to be a great head coach? Only time will tell. We'll we'll see when the results happen. But I feel really confident in what Brent Venables is building in Norman. And I think all of you should too. I think that there is a lot of national media that has kind of spun and not all of them. And I don't want to generalize all of them, but there have been plenty of takes about uh, questioning whether or not Brent Venables will be successful at OU. And I think most of that is valid. I I think that it's valid to question a first time head coach, but at the same time, this is a guy that was one of the hottest commodities on the coaching market for years and waited for the right opportunity to jump at, which you can make a lot of cases for guys that have made that jump too soon and then get burned down for it. And now it's kind of come to the flip side of it that Brent was patient and that is possibly a red flag. On the same topic of just like Oklahoma not being able to win, like, I mean, this moving to the SEC is is felt like a lose-lose situation for Oklahoma because for the longest time you're in the Big 12 you're winning it uh, you know easily you pencil in Oklahoma to go to Arlington and play for the Big 12 title that has been the case you know since they reinstated the title game but I mean this this is a program that has dominated the Big 12 since 
2015 and before that, I mean, you know, Baylor went on their little run and Oklahoma State had a you know really good year in 2011. But for the most part, Oklahoma has dominated this conference since its inception. The one thing holding Oklahoma back was the Big 12 and its reputation of not being a good football conference. And you look at what Oklahoma has done in the playoffs and part of it has been, you know, finger pointing at Oklahoma for not being capable of winning, but there has been finger pointing at the big 12 that it is not properly preparing Oklahoma to get into the playoff. And what do they do? They go to the conference, the best conference that should prepare you to get into the playoff and win a playoff game and has received blowback by the same people that, you know, say that Oklahoma is in an unserious football conference and it did their reputation is always going to be tarnished as long as they are in that conference. And I say tarnished because like, you know, going, you know, going undefeated in the big 12 is never going to been never going to receive the same type of love and praise as going undefeated in the sec. And I don't necessarily necessarily disagree with that sentiment, But when you get into this topic of Oklahoma, whether or not it was the right move, and there was something from uh, Aaron Torres of uh, Fox Sports, and I decided not to engage with it on Twitter because just didn't want to. So here I am talking about it. But putting out uh, a tweet today that's essentially said, I mean, I, I can pull up the tweet right now. Aaron Torres tweeted, said it the day Lincoln left. And I'll stand by it. Oklahoma choosing to go to the SEC will go down as one of the biggest mistakes in college sports history. I get the money, but you can't put a price on going from the clear best program in Power Five to the fourth or fifth. A lot of things. A lot of things you can break down from that. Uh, from that tweet, and the the one before it was even more. Like I, I don't I, I don't want to say it was damning, but I mean the 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 first tweet he said that Oklahoma had zero shot to make a uh, fourteen playoff in the SEC, which I don't know. Who knows if they have a shot? I don't think it's zero though. I think that Brent Venables and what Oklahoma has going for it right now, the momentum is I I think is headed in the right direction, all things considered. You come off of losing your head coach. You go through this unprecedented event that every other college football program pretty much goes through. It happens to you, and Oklahoma has picked themselves up off the mat and done really well. They have went out and got the best defensive coordinator in college football, one of the best defensive minds in college football. They are spending money like a team that wants to win a national championship now, they then go out and get one of the better offensive coordinators in the country. I don't know how Jeff Lebby's going to turn out, but I mean, you look at the defensive side of the ball and you put Todd Bates in there. Uh, you can you can talk about schem, you know schematics and kind of what he's done in the past, but Ted Roof um, being one of the other defensive coordinators that was brought in, you can make of what his track record is for what it is, but I think at the end of the day, that is a guy that has been put in place to recruit, to be a guy that is almost kind of feels like in the same vein of Ruffin McNeil. He's a culture guy. He's, he's going to set the tone for the program as far as just being an older voice in the room. And Oklahoma has done really well. Oklahoma has done really well recovering from the breakup that I understand that there is a, a section of OU fans, probably a majority of OU fans that are still pretty hurt by Lincoln Riley leaving, which I get. I mean, a lot of what's been thrown around about Oklahoma is that 
no one in college football feels bad for Oklahoma, which I mean, they shouldn't. I mean, like who, at the end of the day, like, why should you, this is a program that's been successful. If you saw a team, like if Oklahoma fans see Ohio state, if if this happened, if this happens at Ohio state and you see that very consistently strong football program, kind of take a step back in terms of what something that they couldn't control happened to them. I think it would be very justified for that fan base to be upset. I don't think anyone's going to be coming to, you know, be there to sympathize with them. And that's kind of the deal with, with Oklahoma right now is no one, no one cares that you're kind of experiencing what happens to everyone else. But at the same time, like, can you blame them? Like, this is just, this is just, the passion of college football and you know, you, you can call it passion. You can call it crazy or whatever, whatever adjective you want to go with. But Oklahoma fans, as far as the community goes, there are few in college football quite like them in terms of just the love and support that they have for OU football. And you've kind of seen that manifest and uh, you know, what has been a few months of a lot of national media taking their shots at Oklahoma, which is just kind of whatever. I mean, you you can be upset by it. You you, you can ignore it. it. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. This is the off season, and it's just kind of what you kind of come to expect when uh when it's the off season and there's no games to play and there's all this hope for teams to obviously be better than they were the year before you get your confidence about you. And I'm mostly talking about just, you know, you, you deal with the, you know, Texas is back narratives and, you know, Oklahoma, like, are, are they going to be able to recover from, from, from losing, you know, X, Y, and Z players on the roster. And OU has been superb at recovering and reloading. And, you know, the bad season, the bad seasons at Oklahoma have, you know, been, you know, five loss, four loss seasons. It's never, you know, it's never, you know, turned into, uh, you know, you know, multiple losing seasons or multi or really just a losing season in general, uh, since the nineties, but Oklahoma football is in a, is in a good spot. And I, I think that most reasonable fans know that when, when Oklahoma does go to the sec, that winning six straight conference titles is not going to happen, but you are in a better position to win a national title because you're in the sec. The days of questioning whether or not OU will get into the playoff, and it still could come down to it. I'm not saying that it won't. But the days of fearing that Oklahoma might lose a game that it's not supposed to, I'm not saying that they're gone, but there's a difference in the national like perspective and just the outside perspective of dropping a random game to Iowa State than there is to losing a random game to Texas A&M, which just you can you can talk all day and compare that the SEC, the 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 mid tier and the bottom tier aren't any you know better or worse than what the Big Twelve has to offer because I think the Big Twelve has been a strong football conference, you know. I, I feel like fairly consistently since about 2016, 2017, it has been such a tough league. And the fact that Oklahoma has dominated it has made that, I think, impressive. I think from people that know and understand the nuance behind the situation, because, you know, I'm not making excuses. I think this past year, really, I mean, you look at Oklahoma state and Baylor, how they were set up to, to beat Oklahoma, to, to get over that hump. I mean, there were several other teams that, that could have knocked off Oklahoma. Um, Oklahoma still manages to go 11 and two. It's still a decent season, despite being down quote unquote. And, you know, 
being a season where it did not feel like Lincoln Riley was ever super invested and kind of going into one of the other things that happened this week was Perion Winfrey went on the Oklahoma Breakdown podcast hosted by Gabe Eichert and uh, Teddy Lehman and went in on the coaching staff. I mean, he very much tried to preface everything. Like I'm not trying to, not trying to be disrespectful or anything like that. And then would go on for five minutes and just kind of drag Alex Grinch for his rotations, you know, not putting in his best players in at the most important moments of the season. I mean, no, the, the, the lack of rhythm and continuity that was just never really built with this defense. And it was because of the way that it was run and, rightfully so i mean i think a lot of us kind of saw the same thing it was nice for a player to kind of acknowledge it and you could you could argue that it's just sour grapes from perry on winfrey as well but i mean at what point do you yeah at some point you gotta you gotta trust the source because perry on winfrey lived it each and every day and i mean come on let's not act stupid here we all saw the tweets that got you know put up and deleted within a few minutes you know from from players like a nick benito or perry on winfrey or isaiah thomas some of the some of the younger you know defensive backs would put up something very cryptic and uh, delete it pretty quickly because they knew how it was going to be received and probably got a phone call from somebody but i don't think any of the issues were that hard to grasp and it was, uh, I think, just kind of a v- validation for, I think, a lot of fans that felt that, you know, Oklahoma's defense was mismanaged, this team was mismanaged, that the people that believed that Oklahoma was capable of winning a national title, which, go look at the 11 players from Oklahoma, the second most to go to the NFL, the, the second most of any college uh, invitations to, to get to the NFL Combine. I mean, this is this should this feels like it should have been a team that I just if you're I mean if you're if you're sending eleven guys from your team to the NFL Combine that feels like a team that should be in the playoff. I, I don't think that's a lot to ask for. I don't think that's unreasonable by any means. But regardless, to just kind of wrap up the conversation about the college football playoff, you know, I don't really know where it goes um, from here because I, I I think that there is so much kind of unknown about how the Big Twelve is going to be set up and what Oklahoma or I guess just what Oklahoma actually does when it does get on the field, you know, in September, how it looks, how Brent Venables manages being, you know, going from defensive coordinator to head coach, which I have really no worries about. You know, Brent Venables has been mentored by some of the best coaches college football has seen over the past three decades. I mean, this is a guy with, you know, all the accolades, all of the experience, everything seems to line up in the right direction, but it's just been kind of pushed aside because I think that it wasn't a big splashy hire because Brent Venables has put off becoming a head coach. And I think he was looking for the right situation, being patient with it, but you look around college football and I understand that there's probably just some disdain with the fact that, you know, Miami goes out and gets Mario Cristobal from Oregon and Lincoln Riley, obviously to USC has been the biggest story of the off season, but this is, I mean, I just, it's something that's not really new. And I think that why Oklahoma fans are just kind of as passionate as they are on social media is, is partly because I think that Lincoln Riley (laughs) recognized that the buzz around the program, while it wasn't, you know, like it's not like this was a dead program when he came to Norman. Uh, OU had some, had some, you know, not as good years, which is such a 
blessing in college football for your bad seasons to be labeled as just like they weren't you know that great but they were still pretty good and Oklahoma was kind of in that space when Lincoln Riley came but you know I think that he realized the 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 lack of social media buzz he knew how he could use it um you you kind of can see in other sectors of media how effective it can be when you rally your fan base by putting out your own media content, your own content creation that people can feed into. And you also live in a world where Oklahoma is not on a coast. There's, there's no one that's, you know, carrying the, you know, or waving the Oklahoma flag on sports center every night. Uh, there, there's just not that, I guess, inherent interest on a national level. And it becomes such a hyper local thing uh, when, when Lincoln Riley really kind of drives that engagement, um, with the eyeballs for recruiting, but he took the OU football count just in general to another level, uh, for fan support, because that was where the OU football content was coming from. And I think it's no secret that most people around Norman OU fans just in general, don't feel like that the national media likes Oklahoma, which could could be true could be not i i really don't know i'm not, i i've never i've never really been one that has thought that you know when i was when i was a child i obviously I was just like well obviously you know everyone's biased against oklahoma um growing up in oklahoma that that's just kind of you know kind of comes with the territory but now i'm just i i don't know if the, if any network has an inherent bias against oklahoma i do think that a lot of media personalities you know uh, just the in general kind of understand that if you poke the bear that is oklahoma the fans are gonna get you your engagement quota for the month pretty much with one tweet and that's just not my favorite thing it's kind of made twitter a hard place to go to some days because like you know, it, it, you can only take so much, um, but there there is a never-ending supply of uh, people trying to, uh, it seems, to get under the skin of, of Oklahoma fans because the community is, is very passionate and it's very, it mobilizes like no other and social media uh, lends to that, obviously. But um, the, the, the point I'm trying to make is just, it, it, it's a weird time right now for Oklahoma. And I think that, it, part of it is just kind of heightened because we are in the early stages of the off season. And like I said, I mean, like there are going to be teams that feed into the off season and build their buzz through the off season. And we've seen that at Texas. We've seen that at Texas A&M. I mean, Nebraska swears it's, you know, the, the right head coach away from, from being a, a monster again, but Oklahoma has never been that program. They've never really built their buzz in the offseason. I think they've had to out of necessity with Brent Venables to create their own momentum, which has gone really well. Oklahoma fans are reinvigorated. They feel better about the direction of the program. I do as well. I think Oklahoma's in a better place. I think they're set up for success for a lot of years. I don't think that Brent Venables, despite a random take from Tom Fernelli. I don't think that Brent Venables is going to be gone anytime soon. And if he is, you know, I still feel pretty confident as long as Joe Castiglione is the athletic director of Oklahoma. 
OU is not going to be down for long. I mean, if OU is if if it comes a day where OU is down as a football program, then and obviously these these things kind of come in waves. Oklahoma eventually is going to have a bad season. No one can escape from the the law of averages. Everything regresses to the mean, and Oklahoma has been an exception. And I think it's just because it's a company. It, it is, I mean, I I want to make it clear like. Oklahoma football is essentially a company that is run just extremely well. There are few other companies like Oklahoma in the college football business that run as smoothly as OU does. And you're seeing a little bit of a kind of just an insane season finale for Oklahoma football in 2021. And I mean that like in a TV context, like, Lincoln Riley leaving is just the ultimate plot twist at the end of like a 10 episode Netflix series. And now it's just waiting for the next season to be shot. And I think that Oklahoma is in a really good spot. As I've said multiple times on this podcast, I think OU is going to be fine. And I think a lot of the issues that we're seeing right now will be solved when Oklahoma is on Owen field kicking off against UTEP and presumably winning that football game. And once that final score is set and Oklahoma in the Brett Venables era is really just underway, I think these things will kind of just take care of themselves. Eventually, USC is also going to play football and they're probably going to lose probably multiple times. I don't think that USC is a true college football playoff contender. I could be dead wrong. I just... Don't think that year one Lincoln Riley with Caleb Williams, all the players that he, all the players and coaches that he's brought with him to Los Angeles. I think it's obviously one of the situa- one of the better situations in college football because the Pac-12 is just it, it's the worst of the Power Five conferences. I don't think that's a hot take, Pac-12 fans. I'm sorry, but it's the it's the path of least resistance. But I think eventually when USC does lose that first game, a lot of those hard feelings will probably be, you know, kind of brought up again. But I think it'll be therapeutic and it's just a matter of getting through these months. But this is the same conversation we have every offseason. It's about getting through these months, getting to the fall. We have a long ways to go and uh, it's going to be a journey. But I, I feel good about where OU and what they currently have on campus right now. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch through spring practices, the spring game, what Dylan Gabriel can do, what this you know new look defense can be in 2022. Can Oklahoma get through the Big 12 and get back to uh, you know winning conference championships and you know potentially? I, I don't know if I feel like putting a playoff. Uh, you know, saying OU is going to make the playoff near one of Venables. I feel like is a lot, but you never know. Lincoln Riley did it 2017. Uh, obviously a little bit of a dis- different situation, just a really veteran team there that Lincoln Riley inherited. But uh, I think just, I, I feel like I'm rambling at this point. So I'm just going to kind of wrap up, but um, yeah. So a lot of things flown out there on social media and uh, it was good uh, talking with you all today. I appreciate you guys for tuning in and uh, listening to another edition of the eyes in Oklahoma podcast. Would be remiss if I didn't mention that you can get the Eyes in Oklahoma podcast on all major podcast platforms. And if uh, you uh, like the podcast and you use the Apple Podcast app, would greatly appreciate a five-star rating and review. Also, just me personally, I don't really love solo pods, but 
let me know if, if, if you enjoyed this format of me just talking for half an hour, let me know, send me a message. Um, would love your feedback. I don't think I addressed this on the last pod, but appreciate all of you guys that listened to the Zach Sanchez interview. That one did really well. And uh, we hope to have more former players on and former coaches on to kind of talk, uh, just OU football, their, their, their past, their history and what they think of the program, uh, in its current state. And it's just a lot, it's a lot of fun having those conversations. Um, but just, you know, if you like this episode, let me know. Um, maybe we'll do more of them. Maybe it'll be a Friday staple. I'm not sure, but, uh, yeah, for now, just wanted to get a few thoughts off. Hope you guys enjoyed, uh, whatever this was so anyway uh my name is joe Irwin bettner this has been the eyes in oklahoma podcast we'll catch you next time